0: for uh, v- v- VBS, different things like that. So if you've got donations, see Jennifer or Claudia um, after service tonight. And then you can also bring them Friday. So just ask them what time. Uh, but it will be Friday night and Saturday morning. So I know everybody's got some junk they can get rid of. Amen. Hey, it is junk. Because it's, it's, if you don't want it, it's junk. But it's somebody else's treasure. One man's junk is another man's treasure. Amen. But if you want to give something away that you love, then it's not junk, right? That's what, that's what they're trying to say. Something you can give away that's not trash. That's what they're trying to say. If you're going to throw it in the trash, throw it in the trash. But if it means something, I know what you're trying to say. If it means something that's valuable, give it. Um, also, su- Sunday is going to be an awesome day. We're going to have baptism. Amen. We have lots of people getting baptized Sunday morning. And we're going to have, uh, it's third it's third Sunday for Mission Sunday, amen. So please bring your change and your offering for that, amen. Ma- Matthew chapter 4, we're going to end up tonight. How many have been blessed by this series about quenching the fiery darts and learning how to to defeat the, the devil and all his strategies? And as we get into this tonight, uh, we're going to tie it up with with the most important thing. I think this is going to tie it all together and really help us. And we're going to go someplace and get something valuable. But I want to read Matthew 4 again where we've been the entire series. It's been about two months we've been doing this series. And uh, we're going to end up tonight with it. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. How many, how many were blessed Sunday just to celebrate the finished, the finished work of Jesus? Amen. Coming out of that tomb and, and resurrected tonight. And he, he lives in us tonight. Amen. He's our, he's our Lord and Savior. So we're looking at what he did to be able to get to the cross, to be able to finish the work, to be able to be the Passover lamb. Uh, He had to do some stuff. And and this is one thing I want to get in your spirits and your minds right now. I want you to begin to think about this. That's very important uh, about quenching the fiery darts. Why do we have to quench the fiery darts? Because we have an enemy that does not want us to finish the race. We, We have an enemy that wants us to come up short. Matthew 24 says, He who endures till the end shall be what? saved. He who endures. Salvation is a walk. It's not just a prayer you say at the altar. It's a walk. It's, it's a walk. It's a daily walk, and it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And we need to run, and sometimes we get weary, and sometimes we stop, and we jog, we walk, but we don't stop totally. We, we keep moving forward towards the prize, which is eternal life in heaven. Amen? There's a goal that we're looking forward. And so Jesus got to the earth and knew, if you look back at this, and this is the one thing I want you to really think about, we, we too many times turn in something temporary that's good and trade that in for something that takes longer that's great. Did y'all catch that? That's what we do in life too many times. We, we take something that's good and it's, cl- it's easier and we trade that in for something that's waiting for us that's great, that takes time. And, and, and that's really what, what we see here in this story with Jesus is we see that we know, that we know how the book ends. We know how, how the very end is going to finish. But we're we looking at this part where we know Jesus rose from the dead. We know Jesus died on the cross for our sins perfectly. But here we are at the beginning of his ministry. Here we are at the beginning of his life. And, and if he doesn't do this, we don't have an t- empty tomb. Do you realize that this morning? Tonight, sorry. It's, it's this morning somewhere. Amen. Do you realize that tonight? If we don't have this part, if we don't have Jesus being perfect his entire life and fulfilling what we're going to read here, there's no empty tomb because he cannot rise from the dead, because he cannot defeat death, because his death on the cross didn't mean anything because it wasn't sacrificial, and it was, he wasn't the Passover lamb. And you go back to all the things that we have today in our salvation that mean nothing if Jesus doesn't do this part. So that's what quenching the fiery darts is about, is, is that we're now on a walk and we have to wait, make sure that we're doing what we have to do today to have something great tomorrow or down the road. So Matthew 4, when Jesus was led up, verse 1, by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. And when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So the devil took him up into the holy city and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said, it is written again, you shall not Tempt the Lord your God. And again, the devil took him up. And so what we're seeing here as we get to this last part is we're seeing the devil trying to get Jesus to exchange short-term victory. Short-term victory. These are, these are things that if he could have got Jesus to bite as a human, can't say that enough. We've got to remember that. That's the amazing thing about the Bible and about the gospel and about the eternal plan of salvation is that Jesus is walking in a physical body like me and you. Slap your hand real quick. Slap it hard enough to feel it. Amen. That's real. That's real. That Jesus had a body just like this. Jesus got angry just like we get angry, but he didn't sin. Jesus was tempted just like us, but he didn't sin. Jesus felt pain just like us. He he had all the things that we go through, all those things. We have to understand that. That's what makes it so amazing that he was human. Yet he was God. That's the deity, that that he was God in the flesh, in a human body. And, of course, we know born of a virgin, born of the Holy Spirit. That's how he was able to do this. So Satan is, is in his flesh tempting him. To, to, to know if I can get him here, if I can get him to, 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 take, to take a bite of this temporary glory, and then he will not be able to save humanity. He, he will get something for today, but he will not, he will not finish the, fin- the final work. He knew that he had to try to trip up uh, Jesus. And, and if he tried to trip up Jesus, what makes us think he won't try to trip us up? If he attacked Jesus... How can we expect or think that we are going to be uh, exi- exempt from being attacked? We're going to have struggles. We're going to have trials. We're going to be tempted. But that is what makes us strong. It's just like the old saying no test, no testimony. How many love testimonies? Everybody loves testimonies. Testimonies are awesome. But if you don't love the test, you'll never have a testimony. If you don't understand, you've got to go through some things to get a testimony. You'll never have one. And you have to understand, there's some pain in that testimony. And so Jesus knew, uh, I've got to stay stay the course, and I want you to write this down, because this is the silver lining of the message, and really the whole series. I've got to stay obedient. And I want to finish tonight on obedience, because, and that was mentioned in the prayer and in the offering. And that's just the Holy Spirit leading obedience, obedience, obedience. We have to stay obedient. Jesus was was it the mindset that I have to stay obedient. So Satan was throwing the word of God at him. That's the crazy thing. He was not tempting him with things really, uh, except for that pinnacle part of, uh, uh, of like you know, sinful things. He was tempting him through the word of God. He was giving him the word of God. And, and that's what we know Satan does. He takes the scriptures and twists them, manipulates them, and tries to get us to, to, to misuse them. And really what he tries to get us to do, if you'll just keep this in your frame of mind tonight, is he tries to get us to what? Disobey. I'm going to give you a great story tonight that's going to really, really make sense and help help you understand the importance of obedience. But this is what we're seeing Jesus do. So, lastly, in verse eight, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain. This is the this is this is the hardest part, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. It's hard for us to imagine that, right? I mean, that's that's everything. But, but what I try, I'm trying to get you to understand this and what the Lord's been showing me is, is that, yes, he was seeing the entire kingdom of the world. He was seeing the entire world. He was seeing what you could consider today fame, riches, money, whatever we would call that. He's seeing that right there, but it was just that generation. How many understand that? It was just that generation. It would not affect the future. Think about that. Tonight, are you in your walk with God? Are you working on something just for today? Or are you working on something that's for your future and for other people to get to heaven too, not just yourself? You should be working for something that's going to last after you're gone. Amen. Something that's going to be around when you're not around because you've left a legacy. And so Jesus was tempted to, to take what he's offering right there. Here's the kingdoms. Here's the glory of everything. He says, All these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Isn't that what Satan wants us to do? He wants us to fall down and worship him. What what do we do when we fall down and worship Satan? We disobey God. Really what Satan wants us to do is disobey God. That's all he wants us to do. He just wants us to disobey. And then he says, Jesus says in verse 10, Away with you, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. And the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. You need to be able tonight to say no to the devil when you're still hungry. You need to be able to say no to the devil when you have an unmet need, and he's tempting you to, write this down, compromise. Compromise. Those two words are the two words I want you to think about tonight. Compromise and obedience. Compromise and obedience. God wants us just to simply obey. Not question why, not question when, not question how, just obey. And Satan wants us just to compromise. He just wants us to, 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 you know, he doesn't even care totally if we totally give in. He just wants to give it, us to give in a little bit because he understands that giving in a little bit is giving in totally. Compromise is dangerous tonight, and I want to talk about that a little bit tonight, because the thing that that Satan attacks here on this last area of his in this last area of temptation is his strength. Now, I'm going to give you a few things that I'm not going to, I'm not going to uh, go too, too, too crazy tonight. i want to focus on this because I want you to really think about this. And this one story I'm going to show you is really, really going to bring it into perspective. But if you'd write this down. So, right, so far, what have we written down? Obedience. What else? Compromise. And here's another thought. And, and, and at the beginning, I talked about how we are tempted to trade something in today for something good. Instead of waiting it out for something what? Greater. How many are seeing that? That's, that's the exchange. We see that with Jesus. Satan is, is, is simply trying to get Satan or G, Satan is simply trying to get Jesus to fall there to get something temporary, temporary food, temporary power, temporary uh, uh, lust, temporary uh, usage of, of, of testing God to see if He's there. Temporary. Instead of him going through what he had to go through because Jesus was looking beyond. Remember, Jesus was looking the whole time to the cross. I mean, I'm here thankful for that. He was looking as he's being tempted right there. And, and Satan is literally get, trying to get him to compromise. Jesus is looking beyond the compromise to the cross. And the cross has to happen for us to be sitting here tonight or we're wasting our time, like just like we know from the scriptures, if Jesus didn't die that sacrificial death and if he did not rise from the dead, the Bible says in Corinthians, our faith is dead. It's in vain. It's worthless. And that's where we would be today if Jesus would have given in to the temporary good. Because if you look at those things, all those things that Satan was tempting him with, were not bad things. They were not bad things. They were things that were his. He's the creator of food. He could turn those rocks into bread just like that. Yeah, give it to me. He's, he's, he's the king of the earth, the master, the, the creator of the universe. He, those are his things. And we talked about that the last few weeks without getting into that too much, where he, he could at any moment say, man, what are you talking about? How are you tempting me with something in his mind? That's what we would say. How are you trying to act like you could give me that power? I, that's my power. There's so many ways we would have acted, and that's why today we have salvation because none of us were on the cross. Because none of us would have gotten to the cross. None of us would have got out of the wilderness. Be real. Be honest. Oh, I'd have done it. Yeah, right. Come on, be real. Jesus himself was tempted. And and because he went through it, and because he passed the test, is why we can pass the test. If he doesn't go through this and pass the test, we don't pass. So here, here, here's something important to think about achieving the right thing, okay? Achieving the right thing, write that down, achieving the right thing in the wrong way. That's what compromise is. You're doing something right but you're doing it the wrong way. That's what what Satan wants us to do. He wants us to do good, listen, but he wants us to do it our way. Okay? Remember we talked last week or the week before, no, it was two weeks ago because last week we did the the, the passion of what Jesus went through. Two weeks ago we talked about the spirit of I'm the exception. Remember that? that, That's for everybody else. He's not talking to me. And I use the example, uh, if the Bible says that you have to forgive to be forgiven, someone can say, well, no, nah, nah, I'm going to get away with it. I don't have to really forgive. I'm just going you know, to live my life, and, and if I don't want to forgive, God will forgive me. That's, that's, that's messing with God's word and, and, and saying, I'm the exception to the rule. And, and I want you to understand tonight, and you're going to see this in this story in just a second, God doesn't change for you or me. God doesn't bend the rules. A lot of times when we think about grace and mercy under the covenant we live under today, we think that we've got a God up there who bends rules. No, He doesn't. He doesn't bend rules. He's, he's not a, 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 a rule bender. He is a perfect God. He just happens to be able to see beyond our problems because of the blood. Okay, because of the blood. So the danger is that Satan wants us to achieve the right thing in the wrong way. So think about this. God is not only concerned with us getting the job done. Okay. He's concerned with how we get the job done. How many know you can get a job done and do it the wrong way? You, you can do it uh, under the table. You can do it illegally. You can, you can bend the rules. You can break the rules. You can do all kinds of things. You can get the job done. But God is more concerned with how we get the job done. And, and sometimes, how many know, that if, you're, if you really, this is one thing I have learned in my life, and I believe with all my heart, any, and you've heard me say it a lot of times, anything worthwhile has sacrifice. Anything that, that is good and lasts takes sacrifice, and takes patience, and takes time. takes time. You, you don't see the, the blessings of God overnight. We, we want to see things right now. That's the day and age we live in. Microwave, 30 seconds. When I put popcorn in for 2 minutes and 48 seconds, I take it out at 3 seconds because I can't wait those 3 more seconds. That's how we are. How many, how many else struggle with that, waiting for it to beep? It's just 2 seconds. We're, we're shortcut people. We're shortcut generation. There's no shortcuts in God. Look through the entire Bible and you're going to see those stories. So God is not only concerned with getting the job done, but he wants us to do it the right way. Now I want you to go to the Old Testament real quick. And I'm going to show you something very powerful. If you'll go to Exodus chapter 25. Exodus 25. Now think about this for a second. Compromise is what Satan wants us to do. I hope you've learned by now that when we go to the Old Testament, it's not like, oh, Old Testament story. The more you study the Bible, the more you realize how important the Old Testament is. We have no New Testament without the Old Testament. These things are not old in the sense of, oh, that's like that old person. I'm not going to listen to them. It's old in the sense of it was first. And, and we don't have a New Testament without the Old Testament. The New Testament is, let's do it tonight. The New Testament, the Old Testament, the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. The Old Testament is the New Testament. I, I get it back messed up sometimes. So that's why I asked you guys to do it. <laughs> the Old Testament is the New Testament what? Concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Hand in hand. So here's a very, very powerful principle, Exodus 25. I want, you to, I want to see who catches this tonight. Verse 12. Give me an amen if you're there. Right, right before I read this, I've got to give you just quick background. This is important. This, this what we're going to read, is about the Ark of the Covenant. In the Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant is literally God's presence. Okay? And, and, and whenever you've read Exodus and you've read uh, here in 1 in, in, in Kings, 1 Samuel, you read these different things, whenever you read these things, you see... Uh, this detail. And you can almost, almost if you're not careful, get bored with it. You can almost read it and, and be like, oh man, okay, blue, purple, gold, circle. Uh, and you just kind of read and just kind of go through the motions. You can just kind of really almost just, just get bored and miss something important. Very, very important because God is a God of details. Okay? And so, This is the Ark of the Covenant, and it represents the presence of God. It represents God in the Old Testament. It represents everything that we are, everything that we do. And he's very tedious. You've got to understand this. He's very tedious about that Ark and what's in it and who handles it and how it's handled and who touches it and who doesn't and all those things. Very tedious. You know why? Because God's holy. Okay? I've said this before. Just stay with me tonight. I've said this before. We are a spirit-filled church. We believe in, in the Holy Spirit. We believe in the power of God. We believe in clapping our hands and raising our hands. And we believe in in, in praying uh, out loud and singing loud and being excited and all those things that are great. But sometimes being spirit-filled and filled with the Holy Spirit and Pentecostal and all these different things that you can be and, and believing in God's power and all that can, can sometimes cause you to lose the reverence of that we need for God. Now the flip side of that is people who are so reverent that they need their pulse checked. They're dead. They're dead. They're not, they, they go to church and it's a funeral. And you're looking around to see who died. Right? So that's the other side. But, but at the same time, there's a reverence in some of those churches that are traditional and, real, and so, so to speak religious. But there's a reverence there. And we need more of that reverence with God because holy God said be holy for I am holy now the word holy in Hebrew is Kodesh and it means set apart set apart now I want to say this before I I get into this story because this is really important set apart when you begin to think about uh, the, the fiery darts of the enemy what does Satan want us to do he wants us to go back to the way we were when we were unsaved we were in love even though we didn't say it and realize that we were friends with the devil we were in we were we were partners with the devil and we were we were set apart to evil because the Bible says you can only be one or the other you can't be both too many churches today too many Christians today too many people today try to be both they try to be a, a, a Christian and they try to be in the world. Right. So God says, be holy as I am holy. Now think about that. As he says, be holy as I am holy, he is basically saying to us, be set apart like I'm set apart. What does set apart means That means that he has dedicated himself to us. Yes. That, that he has set us apart for him and that he does not allow other people into our relationship Come on. or other things into our relationship. He is set apart for us. And that's what holy means. And so we have to live a life where we are set apart to God. And individually in our lives, we have times and places and things where the Holy Spirit is going to speak to us and say, come out from that. Get away from that. Leave that alone. Don't go there. Don't do that. Don't be there. That's, that's our job to listen to the Holy Spirit when He's speaking to us as He wants us to set apart. Okay? So this is the Ark of the Covenant. This is the presence of God that we're going to read here. And watch what he says. This is just a couple verses here. Verse 12. You shall cast four rings of gold for it and put them in the four corners. Two rings shall be on one side, two rings on the other side. You shall make poles of acacia wood and overlay them with crickets. Okay, I'm just making sure you're paying attention. Sometimes I look out at you guys and I see people like... Daydreaming. How just just making sure you're paying attention? What, is, what do you overlay it with? Gold. gold. You know, see, see, if we don't have the Bible, you, oh, amen. That's what some people do. Yeah, amen. And you shall make poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. Now watch this. You shall put the poles into the rings on the sides of the ark that the ark may be. Now, if you get a pin right there, that the ark may be carried by them. Okay? Carried by them. Underline that. What in the world does that mean? I'm going to show you. Okay? So the presence of God is being carried by them. Satan just wants to get into our lives. He wants to throw these small darts at us that we don't really recognize we talked about this. He wants to put us in the pot of boiling water, but he wants it to be nice and, and comfortable when we start. And then he wants to slowly start, turn it up to boil us alive with compromise. Compromise. Didn't, doesn't the New Testament, from literally 1 Corinthians on, doesn't Paul bang home all day long that there's coming a day when the church and the people of God will no longer endure strong sound doctrine and preaching they will have itching ears they will be looking for a place they can go that will tell them what they want to hear. They will be looking for a place where they can feel comfortable no matter how they live their lives. No matter what they do, they can find a place. And Paul's hitting that home that that day is going to come. And that is where Satan is working extra hard right now in the last days that we have on, on this earth as the church. He's working to get us to compromise. Because He he probably realizes with a lot of people, he he won't be able to just get them to blatantly, outwardly just deny Jesus. But if he can get them to compromise, that's what he was trying to do with, with Jesus. Now watch this. Let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 6. This will make sense in a second. Because we're talking about compromise. We're talking about the dangers of compromise. 2 Samuel chapter 6. Give me an amen when you get there. Verse 1, again, David gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal, Judah, to bring up from God, sorry, to bring up from there the ark of God, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts who dwells between the cherubim. So they set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, and Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart. Now it's got a nice new car. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill accompanying the ark of God, and Ahio went before the ark. David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord on all kinds of instruments of firwood: on harps, on string instruments, on tambourines, on sistrums, and on cymbals. Sounds like they're having a good church service, amen? They're having a good time. They're, they, so far, everything looks really good. They got the presence of the Lord. They're, they're marching. They're singing. David's leading them. The man of God is leading them. And when they came to, I'm going to say, I'm not going to say Nacho. I don't know how else to say that. Nachon's threshing floor. Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it for the oxen stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord aroused against Uzzah and God struck him there for his error and he did not strike him with a hand to knock him out or to spank him he killed him we can look at these old stories sometimes and think oh Old Testament what that does is it causes us to lose our respect and our and our honor and our uh, reverence for God how many how many can realize that we get there sometimes we get there. We lose our respect. That's kind of what we've been talking about in this, the, 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 the familiarness. And David became angry because of the Lord's, verse 8, outbreak against Uzzah. And he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. And then David was afraid of the Lord. That's a good thing to be. Now, what are you trying to say? So, so they're doing this movement of the ark, and the, the ark... False. I remember reading this when I first got saved and thinking, man, God is mean. Man, all he did was try to catch the ark. And, that, and that's, that's, what, that's what Satan wants us to see. He just wants us to see that the ark fell and that Uzzah did a good thing. What did I tell you right at the beginning? What was the first thing I told you to write down after compromise? What did I just, what did I just tell you right after that? Somebody tell me, tell me what I told you to write down. Achieving the right thing the wrong way. This is where we we have to be careful because he's doing the right thing. The the ark is falling. And and so, what he does is he compromises by touching it. God said, Nobody touches the ark. Nobody touches the ark. And, And what was the key that we saw back in Exodus? How did they carry the ark? On poles. And they carried it. Kind of answered the question for you. They carried it. This is a picture, church, of today. God has a way he wants us to do things. And we come along and, as they say, reinvent the wheel. We're not going to carry the ark anymore because that's no fun. We can make a nice cart for it. We can make it pretty. We can put a big old strong ox in front of it. Remember we talked last week about how Jesus, how the, how the reason they missed the Messiah is because they wanted him to come in, what? On a horse. They wanted him to come in on this big horse of war so he could show that he was mighty. And Jesus said, no, the scriptures say in the Old Testament that I have to fulfill. You see how many times Jesus could have compromised the word of God? I, I, I can't sit on a horse, even though in my flesh I want to. These people are worshiping me. I'm finally having my moment. They finally recognize me. I'm going to get on the horse. He says, no, i got to get on the donkey. On. Because yes. the Bible says I'm just supposed to get on a donkey. Because yes. I did not come here to abolish the law. I came here to fulfill yes. the on. law. Yes. We have to get to a place in our lives where we obey. Yes. Period. And we don't think, well, I'm, you know, I'm going I'm to do it this way because I think this is better. We, we, God don't need help. We need help. Amen. And sometimes we can think how foolish, how silly. You know, why, why, why would God have a problem with them putting the ark in a cart? Because his problem is that there was a reason why he said to carry it. Period. Well, why did he want him to carry it? Because he's God. Sometimes we ask dumb questions, Amen. right? And, and doesn't the Bible say that we're made in God's image? Yeah. So parents, we understand this. Why do we do the things we do? Because we're parents and because we can. Because I said so. <laughs> why? Don't ask why. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yes, and when you're a parent, you can do the dumbest thing you've ever heard. But until you become a parent, you're the kid. I'm the parent, and I said, because so. We, under, we got to understand that's the way God is. God is God. Amen. Don't go to hell over a mystery. God. Well, I don't understand why. Well, how could yeah, that God just a mean God? Why would he kill Uzzah? Because he was trying to show the church, I'm serious about my presence. I'm serious about the things of God. I'm not messing around. Think about it. If he would have let Uzzah touch the ark, he would have been saying to everybody else, eh, no big deal. It's okay. I'll, I'll let that go this time. I'll let that slide. Can't do that. Because if he doesn't, if he doesn't establish the, the law and, and, and the rules, and, you know, that's the problem with a lot of people. A lot of people don't like rules. That's the problem. Right. We don't like rules. Well, rules are not made to be broken, amen, they're made to be followed, and like I've said before, can you imagine what this city would be like with no rules, it's already pretty bad with rules, with lines to drive between, and lights to stop and go, and and speed limits, and when to turn and when not to turn. I mean, I've been in other countries where they don't follow the rules so well and they don't enforce the rules so well and it's pandemonium. Crazy. Okay? So how many are seeing something here? They make a cart for the presence of God. The cart falls. And see, it wasn't even just Uzzah's fault. Because Uzzah really was just quickly thinking, man, I don't want the ark to fall. See, that's that's where we get in trouble. God, let me help you. God does not need our help. God needs our obedience. God does not need our help. if If he needs our help, he'll ask us. You know what he needs our help to do? Win the lost. That's it. That's really all he's ever asked us to do is just preach the gospel. And what's the gospel? What his word says? Why are we in so much trouble today? Because everybody's trying to make it different. Everybody's trying to, 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 to make it like Burger King. Yeah, however you want the gospel will accommodate you. And, and you know what? We're not, in these days, church, we're not trying to be the popular church. We're trying to be the church that's going to be ready for the rapture and going to heaven and living right and doing what God's called us to do. That's the church we're trying to be. Amen. Obedience. As I close. On the Bible app are a lot of verses. That I'm not going to get to tonight. Uh, they're there so you can look at them. Um, I will quickly just say them for anybody who uh, is not in 2017 and does not have a phone and does not have an app. Romans 16:2, Ephesians 5:3. I don't have time to get into these tonight. Philippians 127 i I'll say those three again. Romans 16:2, Ephesians 5:3. Philippians 1.27 I want you to go to actually sorry write down 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 9 and 10 we're living in a day and I'm going to use a word that sounds weird where there's a lust and I'm not going to say what you think I'm going to say there's a lust for convenience. For convenience. It goes back to I need it now. I need it my way. I need it quick. How can I get what I need? How can I do the right thing but do it in the wrong way? Or how can I, get, how can I do the right thing in the wrong way? I'm so confused. I don't know what to do. Obey. When you begin to get confused, it's because you're not obeying. When we begin to disobey, we begin to get confused. When you're in obedience to God, you say, Lord, I'm just going to do what you say. Now, I want to I wanna make a, a plug tonight for, what, for just an example of what I've seen and in, in, in why I'm thankful to be part of Victor World Outreach, why I'm thankful to be part of this fellowship. We're not the only fellowship. There's lots of fellowships of churches around the world. But you know what? Our church, as a church here and as a fellowship worldwide, has, has been standing for something for about 40 years. What we belong to. Just our group of churches. And, 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 and we've been, uh, there's a powerful thing. I want you to think about this. a powerful thing about the way we do things. Doesn't mean it's the only way. But there's a powerful thing about the way we do things. And the fact that we refuse to tone down on preaching the Bible as it is. We refuse to compromise God's word. We refuse to get caught up in the, all the fads and things that, that are going on and, and not just preach the gospel and, and not compromise. And here's the thing, we're still here. Amen. This fellowship's been around for 40 years and, 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 I, and I have learned and seen uh, fads come and go in 40 years. It's like, like, hey, let's try this. Hey, let's try that. And and I'm not talking about that you can't use different methods and stuff like that. I'm talking about when the church somehow begins to dilute the word of God and begins to make it seeker friendly and begins to make it easy to swallow. I don't see anywhere in the Bible where Jesus preached a message that was seeker friendly or where he made it easy to swallow. He preached the truth as it was and people changed and people repented and people got their lives right and they made heaven their home because God said, it's my way or the highway. And we're trying to live a life where there's lots of, lots of streets. So I'm going to close tonight with this thought to sum everything up. How many don't want fiery darts at you? I'm not saying you can avoid them all. But let me give you a word that will help you avoid 99, I'm going to be like Lysol tonight, 99.9%. I like how they put that on the bottle. I don't know how in the world they get that, that understanding. How in the world they figure out that they've got still that 1.1% in there. But hey, that's good. I guess if they said 100, they'd get in trouble. But here's the thing. Here's the word. Here's how you uh, put out. 99.9% of darts obey. I don't know if you're waiting for something else. That's it. Obey. Take God's word as it is. And and begin to just say, no. It doesn't matter what the government says. It doesn't matter what schools say. It doesn't matter what people say. It doesn't matter what things happen. No, God's word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It has never changed. It's never going to change. It's the same. He is God. If we'll just obey, we'll put out 99.9% of the fiery darts. And if we don't, what does compromise do? Compromise puts gasoline on the fire. Compromise adds to the problem as you're, as you're bowing your heads tonight. Obedience puts out all the fiery darts. As you're bowing your head and closing your eyes, one of the devil's favorite tactics, just to review tonight, is to get us to compromise. Compromise. Remember that compromise is a half-truth. Compromise is, is, is sort of doing it right, but not totally. Sort of uh, uh, doing things the way I'm supposed to, but, but doing one thing the way I want to do it. That's not what God's looking for. God is looking for... Good, listen, as your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, He's not looking for perfection. He's looking for obedience. He knows we're not perfect. He knows we're not perfect. He understands that. He's not expecting perfection. He can't expect us to be something we're not. But he does expect us to obey. The Bible says that if we obey his commandments, that's how we show him that we love him obey his commandments don't compromise tonight compromise is dangerous business compromise listen carefully is the deadliest spirit a believer can be attacked with compromise just going to give a little I'm just going to give in in this one area. That one little area is what all the the devil wants. He doesn't need a lot. Because he knows, listen carefully, he knows if you compromise in that one little area, that he'll get you to compromise in another one. I hope you heard that. He knows if he can get you to compromise in one little area, he'll get you to compromise in another one. We have to be people tonight that say no compromise. Father, to the very best of my ability in you, I am going to stand in obedience to what your word says. And I know that if I obey your word and and I do things the way you want me to do them, and I don't stick my hand out to, to grab the presence of the Lord in the way I think I should and I just, I just carry the ark not build a cart for it if that ark falls off you'll take control, of you'll it. Take, you'll take responsibility for that I do what you ask me to do and you'll do, listen, what only you can do because you're going to get, if you do things your way you're going to get what you can get only take you so far you cannot get into eternity your way that'll work here on earth doing things your way will work here on earth there's things that you can get here you you can be successful you can have money you can have fame you can have a good family you can do a lot of stuff here on earth you can get away with it but it will not get you into eternity and I don't know about you that's what really matters to me this life's short. So we're quenching the fiery darts of the enemy. We're not gonna turn in today something good because it's temporary and it's quick, for something that's waiting for us that is better. I the, the Bible says, I has not seen and ear has not heard all of the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. Is it worth it? Oh, yes. Is it worth a little sacrifice here? A little saying no to something that might be questionable? Oh, yes, it's worth it. Don't take that chance. Don't turn in that temporary moment of pleasure here on this earth to miss out on what God has for you in eternity. Father, tonight touch our hearts. Minister to us and show us every area in our lives where we can line up with you where we're not lined up. Father, if there's anything in my spirit tonight that is 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 moving towards building a cart, stop me right now. I'm going to carry it. I'm going to Here's the thing, church, as you're listening, don't tune me out. Here's the tie-in. Everything in the Old Testament is concealing the revealing of the New Testament. That he said, "I want you to carry my presence." What did Jesus say? "I want you to deny yourself and Take up your cross and carry it. Picture that tonight, would you, as you're you're praying? Picture that tonight. That's that's what the devil's trying to do in the church. He's trying to get the church to put the gospel and to put the the cross in a cart instead of carrying it. Trying to make it convenient. That cross was not convenient for Jesus. Jesus. We went over that last Wednesday. If you didn't hear that message, go listen to it. Not because I preached it, but because it's so powerful to remind us what Jesus went through for us. We should listen to that over and over again to to be reminded that Jesus did not take a shortcut. Jesus did not go the easy route. It doesn't mean we have to crucify ourselves. Jesus did that for us. But Jesus did say, take up your cross. Have to take up a cross. We have to deny ourselves. We have to say no to some things that are not worth it, temporary, because God's got something better. How many tonight are listening to the sound of my voice here or online? You don't know Jesus. You've never, as the Bible says, been born again. You've never accepted Jesus Christ into your life to be Lord and Savior. We said Sunday morning, he left the tomb empty. He he left the tomb empty so that he could find your empty place in your life and come into you and live. What are you doing with that empty tomb tonight? What are you doing with the risen Savior? Is he up in heaven being Lord that he is or is he in your life? Because he wants to be in your life, but you have to open your heart to him. You have to accept him tonight. He who believes in me, though he were dead, he shall live, Jesus said. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man goes unto the Father except through me. You can say and people can say and the world can rant and rave and say, Oh, that sounds so singular, that sounds so closed-minded, but God said it, not us. There's one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus. Period. We will not compromise that. We will not change that. No matter what the world says, no matter what fads say, there's one way to heaven, it's through Jesus. If you've never accepted him tonight as Lord and Savior, just lift your hand and put it back down. I want to pray for you tonight all over this place. All over this place. That's me. God sees you. Maybe you've said that prayer at some point in your life, but tonight you're realizing, man, I feel like I've, I've fallen into some compromise. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand on this. Uh, this is between you and God. But if you in any area of your life have compromised, you need to talk to God tonight. The true spirit of revival, church, is repentance. The true sign of, a, of, a, of God moving in a church is when people are sorry for their mistakes they don't want to make them they don't want to fall they want to live a holy life they want to be set apart as the bible says there so that's the challenge tonight as we as we stand to our feet as we open the altars as we take a few minutes just to pray and talk to god as we sing this song tonight won't you make a decision tonight to say i am not going to compromise I'm not going to allow the spirit of compromise to come in. I'm not going to try to do things that are easy. I'm going to understand this is a long road of obedience. Let's pray tonight. Let's just take some time and talk to God. There's a place for you tonight just to talk to the Lord, just to, to do business with God. As we sing this song tonight, I surrender.
1: I surrender. Two
0: 127 says only let your conversation be as it becomes for or is worthy of or equal weight to the gospel of Christ that whether I come and see you or or else be absent I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel that's what God calls a church to do. Not just individually. We do that individually, but then corporately we come together and we stand fast and we say, listen, I'm going to do this by myself. I'm going to stand if no one else stands, but we you stand with me? It's a lot easier to stand with somebody, but I'm going to stand whether someone else does or not. That's the attitude we have to have. I'm standing, but it's a powerful thing. When, as a body of believers, we say, no, we're not going to compromise. We're not going to change what God's word says. We need to let God defend his word. And, 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 and as I was praying for people, I was thinking about that, that story in the Old Testament where Saul went and did what he thought he should do. when Samuel said, here's what I need you to do. And this this story after story after story after story in the Bible where God, God tests us. Sometimes he might ask you to do something real simple. What he asks you to, 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 he might test you on something real simple. You might think, that's it? It's too too easy. Let me add something to this. You know that's what people try to do to the cross? Try to add. works. Think about it. There's a whole lot of religions today that say you have to do things to be saved. That's adding. No, the cross isn't enough. We're good at that just says, no, the cross is sufficient. The cross is enough. And the Bible actually says the cross is foolishness to those who don't believe. It seems like that's just believe? Just believe? Is that easy? But the word was, he says obedience, here's what Samuel said to Saul, obedience is better than sacrifice. So a lot of times we, 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 we try to add to what God's asking us to do. Obedience is simple. It's just do what he says. Add or take away from it. And if you'll do that, you'll get rid of a lot of darts. Because compromise, hope you got that tonight, compromise is where he works so heavily. Amen. Father, we thank you tonight for hearts that are rendered unto you. Your word says, render your hearts and not your garments. Meaning, Lord, we're not trying to look good just on the outside. We're not trying to have an appearance of holiness. We're, we're wanting to walk in holiness. What is holiness? Being separate to you. Not mixing with other things, but being separate unto you. Reverent unto you. Set apart to you. In every area of our life. And, Lord, you work out on us individually because your word says we work out our salvation with fear fear and trembling tonight personally our salvation and that's our call tonight is to work out our salvation with fear and trembling and i walk in repentance and i walk in obedience and as i do that lord people will see that who i say i am is you living through me jesus forgive us tonight for all of our sins we confess to you that we fail we confess to you that we fall short but lord our heart tonight wants to obey Help us to walk in obedience. And Lord, that's where the joy of the Lord is our strength. When we begin to think that I'm just being obedient to what God said to do. And we always see the answer. And Lord, remind us as we walk out of here tonight that everything we're working towards, which is eternal life, is not today. It's not now. It's down the road. It's down the road. Lord, don't let us... Trade in something now for temporary good and you've got something better for us. Father, help us tonight to walk out with the heart of evangelism for the lost. Tell people about Jesus tonight, to share what you have done in our lives, that it's not religion, but it's relationship. Help us to hold nothing back. Lord, help us to, to be lights tonight as we go back into the world, as we go back outside these doors into a real world Let us be lights in the darkness. We ask these things in Jesus' mighty name, Father. Amen. Amen. We thank you, Lord.